we become parents. And then they are like our mirror that point out all of our weaknesses and things that we don't have figured out. And now, coming to you from the K2 Studios in San Diego, California, it's the world famous Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happening, everybody? How you doing today? I am Chris. And I'm Christine, and welcome to the 42nd episode of the Chris and Christine Show. Do, do, do. All right, number 42. That is fantastic, Christine. So, Christine, how are you doing today? Um, Well, I've been a little bit under the weather today. I know I say that a lot, but man, I just, I get these chronic migraines, and they drive me crazy, and I ran out of my meds today. So thankfully, Chris to the rescue went and picked them up. So thanks, honey. I'm doing a lot better now, but they definitely drain me of my energy. Oh, I hate migraines. I get migraine headaches and regular headaches like all the time. I think yours are regular headaches. I don't think they're actually migraines. You like to call them that. I don't think they are. Well, they feel like a migraine. What's they, a, okay, what's a migraine feel like? It feels like a headache. No. <laughs> the, but migraines it's in your brain. So it's in worse. your brain. That's my. <laughs> the migraine. It's in your drain, your brain, or your I, grain? Both. All of the above. <laughs> it's in your head, and it's throbbing, and you're like, ugh. And you just want to just like uh, do nothing. Well, for me, migraines go beyond that. They affect, I get back spasms with them. It really affects my whole body. I get light sensitivity and sound sensitivity. And I generally just get a little bit like, I, well, kind of like a koala. Because koalas, like, they get sleepy and they also can like get really grumpy and bitey. And don't, I don't, not vicious. Oh, well, I'm talking get, about the koala bear though. Yes. Some, I, I resemble a koala bear sometimes when I have a migraine. I get a little snappy and I get really tired and all I want to do is sleep. Speaking of sleeping, Christine happens to be doing this podcast from the bed. <laughs> from the bed. I was like, I just don't want to sit in my chair. You know, I sit in my chair all the time for work. And so I just wanted to do something different. And so I'm sitting crisscross applesauce, uh, crisscross legs on top of the bed. And we'll see how it goes. I like it. So what else happened this week, Christine? Well, I guess it was a kind of like a busy, not busy week, if that makes any sense. Like work was super busy. I had a couple of projects. Actually, a couple nights you came home and I was still doing work at like two o'clock in the morning on some data projects. Remember that? Yeah, but wasn't that for your schoolwork, for your dissertation? No, that was for my work work. That was a oh. data project for my regular work. Oh, how'd that go? Um, It went really good. And so I... Uh, was really just trying to get through this really creative project that I was working on. But in other big news, uh, one of my dearest friends moved to San Diego this week, and I've been over what? the moon. I know. That is fantastic. She's my bestie from high school, my senior year, Amy. Shout out, Amy and Mike. Hey, Amy, what's happening? Hey, Mike, what's happening? And uh, they moved to um, San Diego, and so I'm really excited. They got settled. So one of the things that I love to do is I love to put together like welcome baskets and goodie baskets and things like that. So I know that moving... Like things can get all mixed up and it's hard to find basic things like cleaning supplies and trash bags. So I ordered a Target pickup order of all kinds of goodies for their new house, basic cleaning supplies and trash bags and snacks for kids. 
And I put it together in a basket and then I left it on their porch so that when they got into town to their new house, it was there waiting for them. Wow, really? Yeah. Now, you knew where their house was, right? I did because she'd sent me a link to Zillow to see the new house like when they were buying it. And so I had just saved that address and I double checked with her a couple weeks before that that was the address. And so I just like went over there and I left it on the porch and then their realtor came uh, right before they got there to let them into the house because, you know, they didn't have keys because, you of know, course, coronavirus yeah. and everything like that. Oh, okay. So uh, they left the basket inside on the kitchen counter. And so it was there when she got there. Has, did she see it yet? She did. She saw it. And then she opened the card because I put a card from all of us and she was so excited and it was just fun to do. That's that's awesome. I love doing stuff like that. That is great. Now, isn't there something else going on in that same realm that you've been involved with, Christine? Yes. Okay. So there is this thing. My sister, Laura, told me about it and she's part of this group up in Central California, but it's called Sisterhood of the Traveling Spirits. What? Like alcohol spirits. Oh, I was thinking like ghosts and stuff, (laughs) ghosts and demons. So it's like Sisterhood of the Traveling Spirits. So what it is, is during this time of coronavirus, it's women around the state, maybe around the country, I don't know, have created these small Facebook groups within their communities to be able to, they call it sprinkling um, or like being like a fairy and like dropping off a little bag of goodies to other people within the group just to lift everybody's spirits. And so uh, I got added to this one here in El Cajon because I don't know, other than you know your ex-wife, I don't know really any other women that live in El Cajon and your sister. And so I thought maybe it was a way to make friends. And so um, this group and I, we just pick random people off of the list. There's 500 ladies in the group. And we have a spreadsheet and you can pick people and you put together little goodie bags and you just go leave them on their doorstep. It's so fun. Wow. And they would. So they leave a little goodie bag on each of each other person's doorstep. Uh-huh. And then I guess you kind of like if you receive one, you have to give one back or something like that. Is that the plan? Um, the, yeah, that's the whole idea is you don't have to wait to get one to gift one. So I gifted like 10 to start off with. And I just picked people off the list that I liked their story. Like they write a little bit about themselves and then what their favorite um, beverages. It could be an adult beverage or an adult beverage and snacks and things. And I did that. And then I waited and I didn't get any for a while. And I was like, okay, it's better to give than receive, better to give than receive. And I was trying not to. Well, yeah, you had a bunch. I remember Christine had a bunch on the table that she already pre-packaged and she was going to send those out to like 10, I think. It yeah. Was. Yeah. So I drove them around and delivered them. And, um, uh, now I've started getting a bunch. I got three this week already. Aren't you so excited? It makes you so happy. It's, I know. It's almost like Christmas. I know. Or even better, I just thought of this. It's almost like Secret Santa. It is like Secret Santa every day. So like today, you and I were sitting in our front, our chairs right by the front window, and we saw a car pull up, and I looked out, and I said, am I about to get sprinkled? And you looked, <laughs> you looked and you were like, Yes. Yes, you are. And I just sat there and well, I waited. I, honestly, it was either that or the Amazon delivery driver. <laughs> one of the two. We're both going to sprinkle her some way or another. <laughs> Except one didn't cost us any money, right? Uh, yeah, I <laughs> guess so. So it's fun. And I get like little goodie bags of different things. And it's just fun to be thought of by other people. So like today, I got a bag and it had uh, LaCroix flavored water. And it had a couple of wine spritzers and chocolates and a little notepad and a unicorn pen. A unicorn pen? Yeah. Was it? Does it write in unicorn colors? 
Maybe. It's like a cute little tiny unicorn riding on top of the pen. But, okay. But it's fun. So it's called Sisterhood of the Traveling Spirits. If you're listening, check it out on Facebook and see if there's one near you. And you can join and meet a whole bunch of new ladies. I've made this whole new community of friends. That is fantastic. As yeah. I, say. I love it. It's been so fun. But Chris, what's been happening in your life this week? Well, it's been very busy week at work. Work's been really busy. The usual. It's been picking up traffic wise. It's been kind of getting a little busier. I see yeah. out there. People, more people are out there. There's uh, traffic. I think the state has moved on to phase three of the reopening. So what that means is I think the bars are opening, the restaurants are opening, haircuts are opening, salons are opening. Nail salons. Nail salons are opening. Go get it, ladies. Get get your nails done. Yep. And um, so it is getting a little busier out there um, work-wise. So and, and you worked some long hours last night. Well, last night, which is kind of weird because it seems like it's kind of slow Monday, Tuesday. And then by the time Friday comes along, they really slam us with work Friday. My goodness, it was so busy last night. Wow. Anyways, today's the weekend. Happens to be Saturday. And I'm living for the weekend, baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. And speaking of living for the weekend, on the way back today from picking up uh, Christine's uh, prescription for headache medicine. Oh yeah, tell them. <laughs> I decided to swing on by the pawn shop. Woohoo! No, I was not pawning off anything. I decided I'm going to pick up a guitar Woo-hoo. so I can serenade Christine. Oh my gosh! <laughs> with my guitar I just bought. Now, Chris, do you know actually how to play the guitar? Uh, no, not really. But you know <laughs> Which what? Makes I, it even better. I fake it till I make it. You know what I'm saying, baby? So I got this guitar from a pawn shop because I figured like I don't want to spend a bunch of money on a new guitar because those are kind of expensive. And if I'm not gonna take it seriously, because who knows? And um, so I picked up a used one at the pawn shop, and it's in good condition. I don't see any nicks or scrapes or anything on the thing. It looks pretty much brand new, right, baby? Yep, it looks really good. And what is her name? Her name? What? Her, the guitar's name? Yes. Uh, what Luna? Yes, Luna. Because it says Luna on the guitar. <laughs> it's a Luna guitar. It says Luna right on the thing. So I got. I named it Luna. And then you got it tuned. You tuned it up today with the little thing from the iPhone, right? Yeah, I found an app, the tuner app. By the way, there's tuner apps out there for your guitars, people. Guitar, guitar, <laughs> and I just found the app on the app store, and I just tuned the guitar myself. Kids are playing with it. I was playing with it. Uh, you want to play with it right now, baby? Want me to play a little something? Um, how about after we come back from our interview? I would love for you to serenade everybody for a minute. Okay, okay. So <laughs> we'll do it after interview. And coming up next, speaking of which of our interview, we have a fantastic lady who helps out with what children? Yeah, with families, with helping families? with parenting of young children. And we'll be on with her right after this. Hey there, K2 crew. We love having you as our loyal listeners. To keep up to date with what's happening behind the scenes, check us out on social media. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget to follow our Facebook page. Yeah, tag us in your favorite fun stories. And guess what? You might just end up on the show. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Welcome back. Today, we have a very special guest on the show. She is the owner of a business called Wholeheartedly and the founder and creator of the Failing Motherhood podcast. Welcome to the show, Danielle Bettman. Thanks for having me today. Hey, thanks for being here today. Now, where are you in the world, Danielle? I am smack dab in the middle of the Midwest, Omaha, Nebraska. Omaha. Is that where they have those Omaha steaks? I, I see those yes. everywhere. Oh, wow. I actually yeah, grew up going to Omaha a lot. My great-grandmother was there for a number of years, and so I have fond, fond memories of Omaha. Did you go to the zoo? 
No. We're known for our zoo. No. Oh, why, why are you known for your zoo? Do you guys have like some rare tiger? No, it's the Henry Dorley Zoo and Aquarium, and it's like rated one of the top zoos in the world. Really? Really? Yeah. Well, we have a really big zoo here in San Diego, so I guess that makes us like similar cities, really famous yes. zoos. I think they're like go. the top two. Oh, that's many, awesome. Of, yeah. you, now, side note with that zoo, do you, get, do you have like a season pass to the zoo? Do you go there regularly when you can go? Usually, yes. We didn't uh, re-up our pass for this year, and I'm kind of glad with COVID because I doubt we would be going very often. You know, I thought that people who had passes to different theme parks were trying to get their money back. Is that Was that a thing, you know? I haven't read about that. I know our zoo just came out with, like, phase one of reopening, and it's got tons of regulations. I mean, what are they going to do? So... Yeah, totally. Our next door neighbor actually is one of the lead zookeepers at the San Diego Zoo. And he was telling us how it's just a different world around the zoos with the animals that they come out and they notice their keepers more when normally they're just preoccupied with all of the different visitors that are around. But now they're just like, humans, what are these? (laughs) That's strange. Yeah. So Omaha, Nebraska, how long have you lived there? A little over 10 years, actually. I went to college in Lincoln in Nebraska And prior to that, I moved and grew up in South Dakota. So I didn't move too far away. Oh, that's awesome. And what's the weather like in Omaha? It's beautiful, actually. Today is gorgeous and like 75, but it's been pretty rainy. Are you guys starting to turn around, like get your summer? uh, When does summer really officially kick in for you guys, weather-wise? I feel like we usually never get much of a spring. It's like winter lasts forever, and then all of a sudden it's 85. (laughs) Wow. So usually in May it makes that transition, and then it'll get real hot for a while. So we're it's like pretty good right now. We're in that sweet spot. That's awesome. Well, we're super excited to have you on the show. Um, For our listeners that are tuning in, Danielle and I met through a group on Facebook, and I was really intrigued with her business and the title of her podcast. And so we invited her to be here so that you could take advantage of her expertise to chat a little bit about who she is and what she does. So before we hop into what you actually do, Danielle, why don't you tell us about a little bit of who you are? Sure. Um, I have two daughters that are seven and five, and I've been married to my high school sweetheart for a little over 10 years. Wow, you don't hear that every day. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those accolades I put in my bio every time because it's, it's kind of a fun fun anecdote. So I'm really proud to um, have been, we've been together a little over 17 years now. So um, we go way back and that's fun. Um, we did long distance relationships before Skype and all the things. So we're going to sound super old to our kids. Did downloading digital pictures from our camera to our computer to email to oh, each other. Oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> did, you, did you have a MySpace page too back in the day? Oh, definitely. And like a Zanga and yeah, all the things. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, um, but, but I, long distance. So, like, yeah. how was it long distance if you guys were high school sweethearts? Well, he went to college in Rhode Island, actually, oh. in Providence. Um, he went to culinary school to be a chef. So he did that for two years while I was down in Lincoln for two years. And then he moved to Lincoln um, after that. So so that's awesome. Did you do like the old-fashioned pen pal letter writing too? Yes. Yeah, we'd send each other no packages. No way. And, yeah. Post- postcards, <laughs> things like that. Yep, yep. That's so sweet. Well, so you... You married your high school sweetheart. You have a couple of kiddos. And yep. what do you do for a living now? Yeah, so I went into teaching, actually. Um, I have my degree from birth through third grade. And I started teaching 
uh, Head Start and Early Head Start, Mm -hmm. uh, which is like all the early childhood years. And then the school I was working for created a partnership with Save the Children, and um, I went into home visiting. So it was a language and literacy-based program, primarily parent education in the early years. And so I went into each family's home on my caseload for an hour every week for like three years, and I loved it. It was incredibly rewarding because the families wanted to be a part of it, and they were very curious and craved the information because all parents want what's best for their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like they took me in as part of their family. And so I really just realized that what happens in a classroom is great, but home is really where kids get wired and all the important work happens and the relationships are so important and the environment and everything that they're doing at home um, really matters a lot. And parenting is a really, really hard job. And there's no manual. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> I, I know. I mean, we, we, you know, I, I'm a single parent. Christine's a single parent, you know. So. Well, we're a single, single, and now blending. So it's kind of like yeah. a one plus one equals 22. Now, when you said homeschool, are you talking, are you referring to actually homeschool itself or something different? No, it's home visiting. So I was just going into their home for an hour every week, bringing some books that they could read with their kids and keep throughout the week and providing them an activity to do with their kids that helps, uh, you know, a certain aspect of getting ready for school. Um, but really just talk to the parents and connect them with resources and information to help them better do their job. So kind of like preschool, kind of um, for getting kids more um, prepared to go back into school? Yeah. So the families that I was working with had um, kiddos from like one to five age. Oh, wh- when, when is the age for kindergarten to start uh, in Nebraska? Is it different for state to state? I don't know. It is different state to state. In Nebraska, you have to be five by July 31st. Oh, wow. B, B5. Now you test for the fall season? Yep. Oh, oh yeah. Okay, it's okay. a little different for us in California where it's like September 15th or something like that. Oh, is that what it is, Christine? Yeah, it's right around that. But oh, I don't know. But I have a question for you, Danielle. Not to stray yeah. from the topic of our conversation, but I think that it will kind of go into what we're talking about. You know, we've been in this COVID school closure and distance learning, and you were talking about home being like the initial place where kids learn. I've been on several calls um, for our kids where I've actually had a couple teachers say, you know, well, school's better for kids than home is because, you know, they feel safe here and this is their safest place. And what, so what school or home you talking about? School. They talk about school being safer than at home and how what they're offering is better than at home. What's your perspective on that? That's interesting. Um, I know that when it comes to a child's brain development and what it's looking for to, you know, download all its software it needs for the first seven years, Mm -hmm. they're doing that with kind of the template of the parent-child relationship. And like that is really where a lot of that, you know, back and forth conversation and stimulation happens. And it's the, the innately, you know, wired opportunity for that to happen best. And so when kids are, are youngest, I think the more that they can be in a really thriving relationship that is really healthy, then, you know, home home is best. But that's not always the case in every home. Um, right. So if, if a parent is not able to provide that well or if they're not at a place 
where they have a lot to give because they have a lot that they need to be focusing on for themselves, for their own mental health or work or whatever, then maybe a child does need to get that, you know, from other adults that do, you know, love and pour into them. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's a one size fits all, you know, type of situation, but Mm -hmm. I know kids really do respond to consistency and structure and, you know, flow and routine. And that is one thing that's been really hard to replicate at home when they're away from school because we just don't have all those mechanics to make that happen and all of the peers around and all of those things. So we do, we are at a a disadvantage when it comes to distance learning to be able to recreate all of the same things that kids need and love from the school environment. They're just different. That totally makes sense. Now, talking about all of these things and a bit, a bit of your background with this early literacy initiative, how did that become an inspiration for a new project that you started? Yeah, so I ended up doing that for several years until I had my second daughter. I had my second right after my first. They're 15 months apart. Uh, I don't recommend that. <laughs> well, that Thankfully, they're besties now. Yes, too close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but when I was um, working with a colleague that started an in-home daycare and, and doing that one while my girls were itty-bitty, and then I started leading a mom's group at the church I was a part of, and at that point, I was realizing that most of my friends and, and other moms that I was working with or talking to, um, they were... They wanted what's best for their kids. They absolutely wanted to show up as the parent that they want to be. But they were struggling really hard because they didn't even have a basic understanding of healthy and appropriate child development milestones, Mm. let alone understanding, you know, the how to handle kids big emotions and how to you know what things are worth disciplining and which things are you just let go. And then how do you navigate that? with your spouse and they were having just all of these hard conversations. And I realized like, I'm still having a hard time myself and I have a college degree in this essentially. (laughs) Um, This is not fair. (laughs) Like how are parents supposed to figure this out with, you know, all the best intentions, but they're super sleep deprived. And, you know, there's a million places that you can find information on the internet, but they're very conflicting and confusing to sort through and figure out what's best for your specific kiddo because they're also different. Um, whatever you figure out with for your first kid usually doesn't even work for the second. Oh, so not at all. you no. start over. I know that one. I know that. <laughs> I know that because uh, my my oldest kid he's he's kind of a genius. He's pretty smart, and the youngest one is is uh, on the other spectrum a little bit. Hey, hey, hey! They are both brilliant okay. in their own way, but yes. one is very accelerated in his learning, and the other is very emotionally connected and really likes a lot of like relational aspects. So one's more technical um, and logistical. And so definitely two different parenting needs. Correct. Yes. Yeah. My youngest is the one that has all of the feelings and big emotions and is very sensitive, uh, you know, very strong opinions. uh, You could say all of the strong-willed things (laughs) positively or negatively. um, Whereas my first was kind of by the book, um, stereotypical firstborn, you know, wants to do well, never wants to get in trouble. Exactly. So they couldn't be more opposite. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of like what Chris was I think alluding to, right, Chris? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Because they, because the kids, you know, I mean, said they're uh, 
well, our kids are my my kids are pretty close in age, not as close as yours. They're uh, two years apart, so they're kind of best friends too. But they get in fights so much. I don't know if it's with girls is different, but with boys, oh my goodness, it's like they're always fighting. They're always stealing each other's stuff. You know. Yep. Yep. They're in competition. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, how do you? How did you bottle that up into a business? So it's kind of funny. Um, I was working for the church leading the moms group and then they ended up pushing me out of that to save like budget money and then reassigned me to be like a volunteer coordinator. And I was doing just kind of a bunch of what felt like odd jobs to, you know, pull in the hours. And it was not what I wanted to be doing. It just felt like it was a really strange uh, you know, job description. And the more that I wanted to share ideas and bring new things into meetings and, you know, kind of create the role that I felt like was, you know, making me light up and, and use all my strengths, the more that I was like pushed out and given a giant cold shoulder. Mm-hmm. And uh, randomly, I was pulled into a meeting with all of my bosses and they said, we think that you're unhappy here, so you need to leave. And they just, <gasps> they fired me. Oh, no. <laughs> Nobody likes that. No way. No, no. And this was like my home church for nine years. Fired and from church. That's like, that's got a scar. <laughs> that's traumatizing. Oh, can, can they even do that? Oh, I don't yes. they can do that. Yes. I still need to go to therapy for it, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. And so then um, I... I had this idea brewing for how to get back into working with families again, and I knew I didn't want to get back into a classroom. I knew I wanted to help parents Mm -hmm. primarily, and I didn't exactly know what that would look like. And then once I got fired, it really was that, like, you know, do or die, now or never situation where I was like, all right, I don't know exactly what I'm doing. Um, I don't know anything about creating a business. But let's do this. <laughs> well, that, so, that was a perfect time, you know. I mean, yes. timing, timing is everything. And, and when you get kicked on your butt out, you know, kicked to the curb from whatever you were doing, it kind of launches you to do, be creative and do something different outside the box. And good job for exactly. you. Exactly. Thanks. Yeah. I really had no, like, framework to go off of, of what I wanted to do, you know, with, like, products or services or packages or anything like that. It was really hard for me to formulate all of that kind of from scratch, but I knew that I, like based on my Clifton strengths, the like top five things that I have the most capacity for, you know, accelerating in were the attributes that create a coach. And so I knew um, like my number one is communication. And then it's like woo, which is building relationships. Woo's are really hard to come by. Wait, wait, wait. wait. What's a a woo? (laughs) Okay, I have to tell Chris. I don't know. Okay, so new lingo for Chris. So there's this thing, Chris, called Strengths Finder. Woo, I know that one. Yeah. Okay, hold on. Strengths (laughs) Finder is created by the Gallup organization, which they create surveys. You know, they're the ones that that you see on the news where it's like um, 100% of Americans say they like lemonade. Gallops, like oh, they, you know, okay. so they're survey people. But they created this. Is book. that what they say? They, yeah, <laughs> they. We have this joke going on about the when you reference something, they say da 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 da. Who's the they? <laughs> it's Gallup. So Gallup created in conjunction with Clifton this book called Strengths Finder, and there's Strengths Finder 2.0, and you get to take a survey after you read a little book, and it tells you what your strengths are, and there's a lot of different ones. One of them, the rarest of all, is woo. 
And so woo people, they woo you. Like you can, they can get you to do things that you normally wouldn't do just because they're just sweet and kind and they know people very well. So. How do you become a member of the woo club? <laughs> <laughs> the woo ten plan. That was, that yeah. was? So I think it actually, I think it stands for winning others over. Yes. Oh, I try that every single day. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Not always successful, but I try. Yeah. You're more of yeah, a flu so- of failing at winning others over, Chris. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So woo is one of yours. Yes. Okay. And uh, communication. I am not afraid to, you know, speak in front of large groups. And uh, I knew I knew that about myself. And then positivity. So I'm always like naively seeing the glass half full and, you know, celebrating wins and, and being able to, you know, see the good in everything. And I am a maximizer. So like I always strive to improve on something. And then ideation is the last one where, like, I just keep, you know, coming up with new ideas. And none of these things are being appreciated at my last job. So I was like, I'm going to create the right position where all of those aspects of my personality are going to thrive. And I know that I need to be self-employed in order to be able to have, you know, all the control to make that happen. Well, good for you. Good for you, I say. Yeah. So I naively... You know, started my own business and said, this is going to be great. And I didn't realize it's a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> like lots of paperwork and logistics and all the things. And taxes, all the things. too. And you're doing your yeah, taxes. Yeah, it's not just coaching. I don't, get, I don't just get to work with families every single minute of the day. There's a lot of marketing involved and website creation and <laughs> right, all where, the things. Where there used to be a team to do all the things, you're the team. Yeah, the I'm team the team. <laughs> yep. So, solopreneur life. Um but it's been amazing. I really love working with clients that are just so willing to say, you know what, we are not doing our best and we need more tools and what we're doing isn't working. And like we love our kids enough to be vulnerable and ask for help because there's a stigma that says like we should just know how to be a good parent. And if you don't feel like you are, then you're failing. And that's not okay. Like, right. None of us know what we're doing, and we all feel like we're failing. Right. So to call that out and just be shameful about it is not helping anybody. Yeah, true. So So when you talk about clients, you mentioned clients and you said parenting. Mm -hmm. What is it that you actually do with your business and who do you serve? Yeah. So I created my business called Wholeheartedly to do one-on-one parent coaching with families that primarily have kids in the early childhood range um, between, you know, one and seven is kind of my um, expertise. And I'm helping them problem solve, you know, behavior struggles that they're seeing with their kids and find positive parenting strategies that are going to be really effective um, to help them, you know, see the behaviors that they want on a day-to-day basis to improve the culture of their home and to help them get on the same page so that they are, you know, having a very united, consistent front where they feel very confident that they know what they're doing and that they know how to, you know, react or handle a certain situation. Mm-hmm. And then that, you know, dynamic propels their family forward to, um, you know, just really have the peaceful, positive, you know, culture where they're not just yelling all the time. Yeah, that totally makes sense. So in parenting, one of the things that I've noticed as Chris and I are learning to parent together is 
that different behaviors of kids will trigger each of us in different ways. What do you mean by that, Christine? Oh, well, like, you know, when one of the kids does something that sets like one of us off. pisses me off. Like, like I... <laughs> this is a family-friendly podcast, Chris. Language, please. Pissing me off. You know, like, they'll... they'll I, I think there's different degrees, different levels of anger for uh, what kids do to make you upset. They were saying? Mm-hmm. Right. And so different things trigger each of us. But if something triggers me as a parent and then I have to deal with it, de-escalating and addressing that behavior sometimes is a little bit outside of my skill set. So how do you help parents in those types of situations? Yeah. So I do. I start every family with an initial consultation. And it's kind of two parts where the first one is all information gathering and I just walk them through kind of a lengthy questionnaire that helps me get up to speed and find where the gaps lie and kind of see where everything is at for that whole family holistically because parenting is not just one compartmentalized aspect of our lives. It's very much intertwined and affected by everything that's going on with us as a human being. And so I look at, you know, what's your home environment like and is it full of clutter and does that stress you out and you know how's work and are you bringing that home and how's you know how's the relationship between you guys and how's you know your health and just all these aspects and so then I get all that information and kind of boil it into a plan for the second part of that consultation where I say okay from my outsider perspective when we zoom out here are the biggest you know problems that are affecting all the other problems and here's what I think we need to address first and second and third and you know here are some of the things that I recommend that are really going to help this specific situation and then I kind of give them pieces of homework and we work together ongoing month to month and I kind of liken it to uh, counseling like marriage counseling or therapy where there is no one size fits all package to helping a family feel like they have all the tools they need. I just kind of offer it ongoing based on where they feel like it's helping and what they need. And we have a kind of an app that goes, you know, it allows us to talk back and forth um, between sessions and just continue to kind of tweak things and share stories of, of how things are going. Um, but a lot of it really is how we as individual grownups see the world and our, you know, mindsets of, the ways that we were parented, you know, a lot of that is very subconscious and deeply wired because our instincts as parents really are the way that we were parented. And that's the only real life experience we have to go off of. And there are aspects of how we were parented that we want to recreate. Mm-hmm. And then there are some things that we'd say, I want to do better or, you know, that's the what not to oh, do. I feel you on that one. I tried to do everything better than <laughs> Yeah. That's the thing with me is I tried to do everything different, <laughs> you know, or try, at least, at least in some, in some ways, you know, so to speak, like, right. We both have very loving sets of parents, which very contrary to a lot of the, uh, population, our parents are still married. So Chris's parents are still married. My parents are still married. His parents just celebrated 50 years. Mine celebrate 50 years in February. But it's like everything is different. And then specifically for our context as a blending family, bringing together two micro units of a family together, it's trying to figure out how do we parent our kids individually and together and the kids all together, all three of them. And, and then also we have, we have separate backgrounds too. Like, like, like Christine had her kid for 15 years before she met me. Right. It was 15 years. Well, 
he was for, for 14 he years. was 12 when we met but yes was he 12 12 and a half i don't mm-hmm. remember now but he was 12 years old so she has 12 years of background of already of already being with parenting her kid i had like eight years parenting my kids so we had these different backgrounds the way we did it to try to blend these two together although they might clash a few times you know what i'm saying right yeah i mean every family is kind of navigating that dynamic a little bit even if they did you know, they were married for 10 years before they started having kids. You still, there's a lot of aspects of your personality that don't come out until you're in the middle of a parenting situation in the aisle at Target. Um, and, you know, it's not like we we arrive at this level of full enlightenment and have mastered all of the things and then we become a parent and we pass them on. <laughs> Instead, it's kind of the opposite where we become parents and then they are like our mirror that point out all of our weaknesses and things that we don't have figured out. And like we have to go on a journey with them of of owning that and, and getting better at those things and kind of mastering the things that we do want to share with them because we can't give them what we don't have. If we don't understand boundaries, if we don't understand how to handle our emotions, then how can we possibly teach them to do that well, you know, before we figure that out ourselves? And so there's so many um, variables working against our ability to show up really well. And there are a lot of reasons for those triggers of why a certain behavior bothers you so much. And I do really try to work with families, you know, it doesn't turn into a huge therapy session because that's not my background, but I do help them just come to a better level of awareness of why does that bother you? What is that connected to? And mm-hmm. what are, what's a better way that you can control your own reaction to that and be proud of how you're showing up to that interaction and kind of change that for the future? So it's kind of like counseling then, like something you would find at like a public school or is it more in depth? It's a little, I mean, it really is my own cocktail of kind of combining aspects of conscious parenting along with positive discipline, along with just a lot of the, you know, tips and tricks that I've learned for my family. And then I kind of created um, this curriculum called Writing Your Family Business Plan. And I use that to have conversational exercises as well with families to help them really zoom out and be super intentional in the same way that they would look at all of the aspects of starting a business together. I mean, that's really the level of intentionality you need to bring into parenting and knowing like what really matters to us and who are, what's the culture of our family and what does success really look like and mean to us and what skills and you know qualities do we want our kids to have 15 years from now? And then how do we create the trajectory to get there? So when you do your uh, when you do that counseling session with the families now now being that it is quarantine and COVID and all that stuff are you doing yeah. a lot of Zoom stuff or how are you doing it? Yep, Zoom is my friend. There you go. <laughs> I, I just figured out how to use it the other day, and uh, you know, I mean, Christine uses it all the time. She uses it for work like every day, like all right. day long. Yeah. You know. Well, yep. so I was wondering just a little bit, kind of following up on this family business plan concept. So one of the things that I've been researching is like how to help families blend in a healthy way. And something that keeps getting brought up in the different articles that I read, because I nerd out on them, is (laughs) this concept of family meetings. And it sounds like a family business plan and a family meeting might kind of be similar. Do you have a structure for how families could conduct family meetings? Yeah, that's a great question. So the family business plan writing aspect is primarily the parents 
talking together, you know, without the kids and trying to figure out together, okay, you know, I really want, it's really important to me for that, our kids to be, you know, compassionate and to have empathy and to be, you know, well-rounded and to, you know, see the world in a certain way. And for you, the things that you really care about is, you know, their work ethic and their ability to be persistent or, you know, some of these things. And we've talked about it and we've figured out why these certain words, you know, really jump out to us and how we define them. And then, you know, we've kind of made those our family core values. And then we're working our way back to that by saying, okay, what are we doing right now so that we ourselves are getting a lot better at those things so that, you know, our kids are kind of following our example because they're going to learn more from that than they are if we're just, you know, reading books about it or talking about Mm -hmm. it. Um, And then it's saying, okay, so what other aspects of our personalities are we bringing into, you know, our family culture and how are we kind of summing all of these things up about how we are going to spend our time and money as a family and, you know, how, how we're just showing up on a day-to-day basis. And we write like a family mission statement. And that mm-hmm. family mission statement tries to sum up a lot of those core things that are just going to be, hey, this is our family, this is us. And we can say those with lots of we statements that just says, in our family, we blank. And that creates a lot of belonging for kids to be able to kind of identify oh, with that family oh. identity that says, this is something that's bigger than me, but I can kind of mm, subscribe mm-hmm. to that idea. We're all working towards the same end goal. And when you use more we statements as a family, it is less of like the, you know, nagging criticism side of things. And it just really kind of casts vision like a like leadership of a business mm-hmm. to say like, this is where we're going as a family. And this is, this is where we want you to be. And this is how we're helping you get there. And, you know, you can contribute to that, too, by helping everyone else in the family feel these things. And so once the family has kind of done that process, then they bring their kids into it. And they there's a kind of questions that I gotten from mm-hmm. um, Stephen Covey's book. Um, you know, I think, it, what is it called? Writing Your Family family business or something, you know, essentially with right. mission statements. And so he has an example of lots of questions to ask kids. And in a family meeting, you could say, you know, what are some things, what are some things that you want to feel when you come home or, you know, ways that you want to be treated within the four walls of this house? And you kind of talk through some of these qualities, like I want to feel loved or I want to feel respected. And, you know, then they say, okay, how are we all going to work together to make that happen, to make sure that everyone in this family feels this way and you know kind of write some of these things down that are tangible examples of what that looks like and then you you know hang that up on the wall next to your family mission statement and then you try to just go back to those things every day in the same way that we have to remind ourselves of you know affirmations and you know the same reminders that we would go to you know church every week to be reminded of right. we need that repetition because otherwise it's just the you know, default uh, path of least resistance takes over. And, you know, so if you continue to kind of go back to these things and have some sort of a rotation of family meetings where you're, you know, kind of checking in and mm-hmm. making sure that everyone's feeling heard and seen, that can be really, really powerful for kids. That's really a great concept. And we know that that isn't where you stopped with your company wholeheartedly. You're, you've now evolved into a newer project the Failing Motherhood podcast. And I will tell you that I loved the title of it because 
just as you're talking right now and I'm thinking of all of these things that we could be doing and I'm not doing, it makes me think like, oh my gosh, how many different ways am I failing as a mother? And Oh, you did uh, a great job. No, you're not. Oh, well, thank you. But how, like, yeah, no problem. It's like this, you know, personal, I don't want to say threshold that we hold ourselves to as women, but it's kind of like oh, yeah. that of like this, there. this measuring stick. And I'm thinking, oh, well, family mission statement would be good. But as my kids are coming up and saying how they want to be treated inside of the four walls of this house, am I going to react with, well, do you not feel that way already? And then look at it as a failure on my part. So like, what is the purpose of your podcast? And like, who's your target audience? Tell us all about it. Yeah, I'm super excited. It just launched when we're recording this, um, this week. And so I've been so excited to kind of bring my baby into the world. But um, (laughs) it is born out of a place of knowing, like, I just have so much empathy for parents that are working as hard as they possibly can to provide what's best for their kids. And it's never going to meet our own expectations for ourselves. And it's never definitely going to check all the boxes that society says we need to be checking off. And the more that we beat ourselves up, you know, at the end of the day, and, you know, replay all these moments that we lost our temper and just continue to feel like a failure, the the way that we treat ourselves is not benefiting our kids. And if we just continue to kind of walk down that path of, of anxiety and depression and just all the ways that we can really struggle, it's, it's not allowing us to show up well and continue to find ways to better ourselves because we're just digging a deeper hole. And I did a survey with a lot of like my community and I, I left it anonymous so that they could, you know, actually share from their heart. And I asked what their fears were and what were the things that kind of kept them up at night and the things that they were afraid to admit. Mm-hmm. And so many moms used the word, I'm failing. Oh, and wow. that's horrible. They, yeah, they said, I feel like I'm failing my kids. I feel like I'm screwing them up. I feel like I'm not able to stay patient. And, you know, like, they just can't get past that feeling of, I'm not good enough. I'm not cut out for this. I'm not doing it right. And that just breaks my heart. And I just want to, I want them to know that they are the parent that is the right one for their kids, even if it doesn't feel like it all the time. And we feel like we don't even know what we're doing to be like, to figure them out. Um, there is a reason why you are the parent of the kids that you are. And there are aspects of your life experiences and your personality that are going to be the perfect match for what that kid needs. And it's never going to look perfect. And perfection is not even something that's worth striving for. Um, But instead, if you can... You know, look at yourself and find the little wins and celebrate the progress and, you know, find one thing every day that you were proud of how that interaction was or something, mm-hmm. you know, new that you're learning um, and growing, then that is going to translate to the things that our kids are noticing and right. they'll be able to really thrive off of our healthy mental health. And so it's called failing motherhood because we all feel like we're failing if we can talk about it and normalize it and understand that it's not just me, um, everybody feels the same way, then it doesn't make all of our problems go away, but it sure makes us feel a lot better. 
Well, I have a question, actually, Chris, for you. So what's up? So Danielle's been sharing a bit about how women feel. Do men feel the same way? Like that Um, you're failing? Not at all. Not at all. We feel great. Seriously. (laughs) I've heard you tell me before. Like, I I feel like a bad father. I do. I have said that many times. Do do men struggle with that too? Of course. Everybody, I think everybody struggles. It's not just a man, woman thing. I think, I think every parent struggles with uh, parenting. What do you think the origin of that is? I don't know. Daniel, what do you think? I don't know. I feel like it's it gets harder every generation because we keep putting higher and higher expectations on us. And really, it's not – I mean, it's born from a place of really good intentions to say this is high stakes, high pressure. We want to do this right because we care so much about it. But we are almost creating an illusion that we have that much control over the results. I mean, ultimately, our kids are their own people with their own personality, their own choices in life and their own, you know, adventure to go on. And we are purely just kind of guiding and trying to set them up for success as much as we can. But like there can be super, super good parents where kids don't turn out well. And then there can be horrible parents and the kids turn out okay. And like we just put so much pressure on ourselves that we use our kids as our report cards to say, well, if their behavior is good, then that means I'm doing a good job. If their behavior yeah. is bad, that means I'm doing a bad I, job. I do kind of do not that. True. Yeah, I think I do that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you do. Uh, yeah, I think I do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on the, I think that you do it more on the opposite end of the spectrum. Like if the kids are acting up, you you say I'm a, I'm being a horrible dad. Well, and I'm no, like, no, you always no. blame you blame you blame your ex wife. You say well, your kid <laughs> no. messed up. Your kids. Did you see your no. kid did? Oh <laughs> no, no. But Danielle, we. So appreciate you coming on. First of all, we appreciate all you're doing to equip and empower empower parents to be the best versions of themselves for their kids and for what you're doing to help families be more conscious in the way that they parent. Um, But we also are appreciative of all of the resources that you're putting out into the world also. And so for people that are listening to find Danielle and to learn more about the program that she's developed and to follow her podcast. First of all, you can find her website at wholeheartedlyomaha.com. She just joined Twitter. You can find her at, um, at the at sign failing underscore mother on Twitter. And then Danielle, how can people find your podcast? Yeah. So it's in all of the podcast places. If you just search failing motherhood, it'll be there. That's awesome. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we wish you the best of luck as you continue to grow your reach and empower more parents. Thank you so much. Thanks, Daniel. Hey, guys. What's up? This is the J-Boy Show. I'm Ezekiel. And I'm Jacob. And I'm Mason. And don't forget to listen to our new uh, podcast on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe. It's a lot of fun. Yes, it is. We talk about sports, motors, engines, and all kinds of stuff. And YouTubers. And YouTubers. So don't forget to subscribe and listen in every Sunday. All right, and keep moving forward. 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 Well, that was a super informative interview with Danielle, don't you think? Yeah, it sure was. I really appreciated the comments that she was making about parenting and connecting with your children and... I just took a lot away from that. Even though our kids are older, I think that there's real value to what Well, they are saying. still kind of young. Our youngest still is eight, but he's on the younger side. Right. Yeah. So I think that there's some really good tips that I'm going to be able to, well, that we are going to be able to use. So thanks, Danielle. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We both really appreciate that. And we have a fun little surprise in store for you tonight. 
in just a quick second here, Chris has decided he is going to make his podcasting debut with his brand new guitar, Luna, and he's going to sing us a little ditty. Isn't that right, Chris? Well, I'm going to try. You, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's hear what you got for us, Chris. All right? Okay. I got this guitar today And I got it from the thrift store Wait, no I got it from the pawn shop Down at the pawn shop I picked up this guitar And I don't even know how to play it But I'm playing it for you today And I don't know how what I'm doing today I'm just playing the guitar Because I like to play And I made it for Christine I'm singing her a song this song's called Christine. I got this guitar for you to hear me play. I don't know what I'm saying today, but enjoy my tune. Thank you very much. I love that so much. Every time you make up these little songs for me, they just make me blush. Well, you know, I try. You know, I, I, I do what I can. You know, <laughs> and you, there was one you did a little a little bit earlier for me tonight. I know by the time this comes out, it might not be on my Instagram story anymore, but uh, <laughs> I loved it so much. You you make up all these little songs, and you've been doing that since we started. You know, dating. that's the reason why I bought the guitar in the first place, just to play with it. You know, yeah. not to really like, I'm not gonna be a singer or anything like that, but. Uh, you know, but shout out, you know, to me. if. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if you are listening big, you know, Nashville producers, whatever. Um, you just email us at chrisandchristinepodcast at gmail.com and I will serve as Chris's agent. And, and, and you can find us at the at Chris and Christine podcast. Nope. No, chrisandchristineshow.com. Chris <laughs> oh, I screwed that up. Gosh, I'm so excited. We got our new website going and it's Chris and Christine show. That's Chris and Christine with a K. So K-R-I-S. A-N-D-K-R-I-S-T-I-N-E show.com. And you can hear you can you can hear us on there. You can learn all about us. And we have launched our brand new studio services page, right, Chris? That is correct. Our studio services is up in full in effect. We are taking applications now. We okay. are. And what are our studio services, Chris? Basically, if you like the way this podcast sounds, if you like the way we produce it, well, guess what? I can do it for you too. Right. So you just hit us up, go to our studio services page on our website, Chris and Christine Podcast.com. Nope, Chris and Christine Show.com. Shoot. <laughs> screw that up every time. Chris and Christine Show.com. And you go to the studio services page and then you just click on the little link that says um, request requ- podcast editing services or request a podcast strategy consultation. Yes. And that is how we do that. Yep. So next, coming up next for you guys is our Shout Out Central. Yes, and in Shout Out Central, we have a couple of countries that joined us again this week. Of course, the United States topping the leaderboard. Uh, but we also had our friends joining us from the United Kingdom. Hey, hey, hey. Spain. Ole. 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 And Ireland. Hey, Ireland. I like your spring soap. 
<laughs> Thank you so much for joining us again this week for our listeners across the pond. And here in America, some cities we're going to mention. We uh, shout out to Beardstown, Illinois. Woo-hoo. And I bet everybody in Beardstown is looking like ZZ Top with their <laughs> beard. I love it so much. And coming a little closer to home, shout out to Los Angeles, California. Woo-hoo. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Then going all the way over to the other side of the country. Cape Coral, Florida. Yeah. Shout out. Thank you for listening. Thank you. And last but not least, Greer, South Carolina. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate you for listening. We appreciate everybody for listening. Thank you so much. And we have had a great episode here this week, and we can't wait to be back with you next week with another fantastic episode. And one other thing, Chris, when next week comes around, we will be officially on the five-month countdown for the wedding. Five months, and we're going to be married in Hawaii. Aloha. Aloha. And so we can't wait to be back with you all next week. We will see you then. Remember this week that life is too short to wake up in the morning with regret. So love the people who treat you right. Forget about the ones who don't and believe that everything happens for a reason. If you get a chance, take it. If it changes your life, let it. Nobody said that it would be easy. They just promised it would be worth it. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Chris. And I'm Christine. And until next week, keep moving forward. <laughs>